Hey, John Matalavich here from the Human Advancement Podcast, powered by Ruthless Performance. Today's guest is Kyle Fisher, but this isn't a traditional episode in that Kyle will actually be running this episode on his own. Kyle was a podcast guest in episode 13, where we talked about his role in injury prevention with college athletics, as well as some of his other roles across the country in athletic training and athletic performance in general. This episode actually originated from a post that I had noticed that Kyle had put up on Instagram where he had made a marinade for a venison heart. As someone that hunts pretty regularly, uh, I was interested in getting Kyle's take on that recipe as well as his take on organs more broadly as they relate to athletic performance and nutrition at that. So without further ado, I'm just going to turn this over to Kyle. I think he did a fantastic job and hopefully we can have him on in the future to do more of these episodes. Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Kyle Fisher. I'm currently a board certified and licensed athletic trainer with a master's degree in athletic training. I just recently moved to Pittsburgh uh, where I'm starting my PhD in rehabilitation science. Nutrition has kind of been a, an offset uh, independent researching topic of mine that I just kind of fell into due to my own you know, healing journey back in college and kind of dove into nose to tail eating back then and was exposed to it as a kid you know, growing around growing up around Amish communities uh, where pickled chicken livers pickled pig's feet scrapple uh, liver and onions and those kind of things are kind of traditional meals uh, for lack of a better term for for Amish communities and within my own home uh, I did not eat them as a kid very much so. I just kind of was exposed to them. So it wasn't as abnormal to kind of think in the way of, hey, we should consume the whole animal. Uh, and I grew up in a hunting, fishing family, outdoors family, where I've been exposed uh, to these things. Kind of as growing up, just really didn't take the dive or understand them until later on uh, when I began understanding a little bit more about nutrition and how to consume the whole animal. Uh, so I'm going to talk today a little bit about my first deer hunting experience, uh, which was in December of 2020, and a little bit about what we did uh, from a consumption standpoint, and then kind of the importance of how to integrate some organs and eating nose to tail uh, with with a deer or even beef um, or chicken and the micronutrient importance for those and just kind of give you guys my story and kind of how this all went down. So my parents own about 65 acres in Tioga County, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a deer mecca. I really haven't been able to, to deer hunt there just solely because of my involvement in athletics um, in my professional career just hasn't allowed a lot enough free time to kind of get involved and really sit out in the woods and experience uh, how to harvest a deer. So I kind of 
you know, I've been around it. I've heard many stories about deer hunting and whether true or not, you know, I've, like I've said, just kind of been exposed to it, but never actually took the dive uh, to do it other than just sitting in the woods and, you know, watching nature kind of unfold in front of you, which I think is one of the most special parts about deer hunting in itself that, you know, I think is missed out if, if you don't get to do it. Just even going out and sitting in a tree stand when, you know, getting out there before nature even knows you're there and allowing it to just kind of come to life is one of the most beautiful experiences that I think we can have as human beings. And then getting to harvest a deer along with that is just the icing on the cake. So, like I said, my parents own about 65 acres. Um, a lot of food plots there. I, I did help plant those this summer, so I was already kind of involved from the beginning, so I felt it was only suited to kind of get back out there and, and feel the fruit of the labor of dumping all the lime and planting some of the buckwheat and getting that set up this summer, uh, which is a really neat process that it kind of, you know, all comes full circle as you kind of prep in the summer to get ready for the winter uh, when, when food starts getting scarce and the deer want to come to your property because you still have food. Uh, so the hut that I sat in, I went for for rifle, um, was planning on getting a buck, didn't really happen, opportunity just wasn't there, uh, but the hut that I was sitting in kind of overlooks this real deep ravine that has a nice creek that flows through the bottom. Uh, it's right on the edge of the property, and along the edge of the property runs an ATV trail that'll take you down to the creek. So I was sitting sitting at that, that top portion there that kind of looked down over the ravine, so I had a really good view of the lay of the land. Um, and we knew from trail cams and just being in the woods that they, they typically come across, there's a, a large field uh, that houses Angus beef, big Angus beef farm, um, has really nice plush grass, and there's a fence that runs along that, and then on the other side of that fence is a, a really nice food plot there that my, my dad planted, uh, buckwheat, I believe, um, and then just below that, there's an orchard, an apple orchard, that produces some some nice apples, and obviously that's a nice little sweet treat for the deer. So we kind of know, you know, the reason I was sitting there was they typically come from that field from feeding and then come down into the creek either to get water, uh, it's a great water source there, or they'll come down just to bed. Uh, we, Because of the snow, you know, you can kind of see where those deer are bedding down with their imprint in the snow, um, and kind of had a good idea that that's where they're coming across, and that's we could see the, the flow of the, the trail was kind of working across there, so I had a really good spot. Um, and that day that I harvested the deer, the hunter that owns that Angus beef farm was actually sitting there, and he kind of was the initiation to the push, uh, which allowed the doe to come down over the hill. She stood right in, right in the center of the ATV trail. My dad made a, a little noise to halt her, took the shot. Um, was not the greatest shot. It uh, it hit a little high and a little back, so it did catch a little bit of the gut. So we did have to clean some of that out, which unfortunately also hit some of the liver. Um, so I was not able to harvest the liver, unfortunately. But she had gone down maybe 15, 20 yards from where I shot her. And then we had gone back to go get uh, the side-by-side -side to pick up the deer. And in that time... She had laid down, started bleeding like crazy, 
kind of spun around, got back up, and went another 100 yards down down the trail. So it did take me a little bit of time to find her just because where we went down, where we saw her go down, and then by the time we went back was not the original spot that she had gone down. So we had a little bit of a, a seek-and-find adventure, which from all the deer stories I heard is pretty common. So that was nice that we were able to grab her, throw her in the back. Um, so right away we scun her out. Um, and then that's when we were able to, to take the heart. So that's kind of how John and I here connected. I'd posted a, um, a picture of a recipe of anticuchos, which I will talk about in a little bit as a Peruvian dish. Um, so, like I said, we did not harvest the liver, unfortunately. We harvested the heart and scun it out. And then, uh, and I think looking back on this, you know, I kind of understand. My dad's a big archery hunter, so I kind of understand why you would choose archery over rifle. One, rifle hunting where I was hunting there was probably 50 to 60 potentially 70 shots going off in one day so the deer become very scarce and potentially a little bit more difficult to hunt in archery season obviously there isn't loud bangs going off so the deer are kind of a less less skittish and maybe a little bit more uh easier to stalk in a sense um so looking back on that, I think I would rather go for archery in the future just because of that. If I actually have the time and ability, again, I just was not able to due to restriction of time in my, my job. Um, archery just kind of fell in the right time, or sorry, rifle kind of fell in the right time. Uh, but I think one of the best parts about all this is the traditional aspect of respecting the animal. I took the animal's life. I want to harvest as much from it as I can. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I would have taken the liver as well. Uh, just it was all beat up and kind of turned into mush uh, because of the, the bullet. So if I would have had a better shot, <laughs> probably uh, would have been able to harvest the liver and made it worth it. Um, but I think one of the, the coolest parts about organ meats is how naturally designed they were uh, for our our consumption and how loaded with micronutrients they are. Uh, so I first kind of got introduced to this nose to tail eating uh, by a guy named Chris Cresser. He's a fun functional medicine doc. He runs a big uh, education platform now. Uh, back when I was reading his one of his first books, Your Personal Paleo Code, uh, I was kind of getting into the paleo movement a little bit just because it made sense to me. You know, I kind of grew up in the environment of respect the animal, use the animal kind of idea. And I think the, the paleolithic kind of idea of eating resonated with me because of that. Um, and like I said before, there's Amish communities and being exposed uh, to them, you know, using all of the beef for the chicken and, you know, pickling it or whatever, whatever you want to use or scrapple whatever technique you want to use to preserve it or prepare it, um, I've just kind of been around it. So it wasn't as normal for me to eat it. It was more just understanding how to use it as a tool, as a supplement, and as something that can help me heal personally and help others as well. Um, and that kind of led me into and dovetailed into reading some of Weston A. Price's work, uh, who was a dentist and 
traveled all over the world and documented traditional peoples and their diets. Um, and he's told a story of a man that was walking through the mountains and just suddenly went blind and was assisted by Native Americans that fed him uh, trout eyes and trout head, I think it was fish head. And not long after that, he began to regain his eyesight, and that was due to the vitamin A, uh, which is in retinol form, which is preformed vitamin A and highly absorbable. Um, and contrary to the beta carotene vitamin A that you typically hear about from carrots, uh, which is not converted into vitamin A, about less than 3% is converted in the human body. So not a great source of vitamin A. Um, and this kind of just speaks to how important it is to consuming nose to tail solely because if you're not eating liver, if you're not boiling fish heads and doing a lot of these traditional techniques that were done and understood for these purposes, you're going to be deficient in vitamin A. And if you're deficient in vitamin A, it's kind of a, a domino effect uh, because vitamin A needs vitamin D. And if any of these pieces are, are missing along with vitamin K2, your calcium metabolism is going to be altered. And, you know, if again, if you're not eating liver, if you're not eating pasture-raised eggs and not consuming grass-fed butter um, in combination with some of these things, you more than likely are going to be deficient in vitamin A uh, down the road or presently. And I think that's one of the key takeaways here is that if you're not consuming these things, you're more than likely not getting them and supplementing them you know, can be dangerous because you can consume too much vitamin A, um, especially if you don't have these cofactors and deficient in vitamin D, which we all know um, is becoming more and more common, just more understood in vitamin D deficiency um, and where to get it, especially now. I mean, we're, we're in January and if you look outside, I'm here in Pittsburgh and there's not much sun to consume here. So, you know, just not beyond the 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 moral aspect of taking taking another life and then just dumping it you know i think there's so much of a nutritional aspect to it and i just truly believe it's the lost art you know i don't think people are teaching these techniques anymore it's just kind of misunderstood and that organs really shouldn't be consumed um and a lot of cultures still do consume them um, and that's where I've got the, the Anchi Kuchos recipe that I mentioned previously with kind of how John and I got on this topic. Uh, when I was in Miami, there's a lot of Peruvian restaurants there, and Anchi Kuchos is a very popular appetizer uh, that is consumed, which is beef heart. Um, and it is marinated in red wine vinegar, uh, a specific pepper paste, garlic, dried oregano, a little bit of coconut oil, uh, salt, a little bit of cumin, and then you just let that marinate for about four hours. You can you can look it up online. Anti Cuchos is Anti A-N-T-I and then Cuchos C-U-C-H-O-S. Uh, if you look this recipe up, you'll find a couple different versions of it, but you let that marinate for about four hours with deer heart, beef heart, the deer heart that I used was phenomenal solely because I had literally just taken it out of taken it out of the warm deer and um, cleaned it up. You know, taken all the 
the veins and arteries and kind of pulled some of those out and then just cut them into about one to two inch squares, let them marinate for about four hours, and it is absolutely phenomenal. The nice thing about a heart, too, that's kind of differentiated from the other organs is it's considered a muscle meat as well, so you can expect kind of that lean lean muscle meat texture to it. Um, and we threw them on the grill, and they were just to die for. Uh, it was one of my first times making it, uh, but I had had it many times in Peruvian restaurants in Miami, uh, which is kind of just normal there. Um, the other kind of restriction to this is there's not many places that you can buy organ meats uh, unless you go to you know, your traditional butcher and ask, ask them for it. You're not going to really find it in stores. Depending on where you're at, I guess you could find it. Um, but it's not very common. So unless you're harvesting your own animal um, or know a, of a specific source, like a farmer's market or something like that, you can get them. Uh, liver's becoming a lot more popular, it seems like, which is a great thing, I think. A uh, little bit of the nutrition on beef heart. It's rich in B vitamins, specifically B12, <clears throat> which again, you know, seems to be, with the vegan, vegetarian movement, seems to be a pretty prevalent deficiency. So you can avoid that with eating organ meats. And then it has selenium, which is pretty hard to find, um, especially from a soil food. Like Brazil nuts is pretty common to get selenium, but if the soil's missing selenium, your Brazil nuts aren't going to have selenium. Uh, so I like to not bank specifically on that, but more of organ meats because I know they're going to have them. So in about 3.5 ounces of heart, or about 100 grams, you're going to find... About 124 milligrams of cholesterol, a good cholesterol, which is fantastic, 17.7 grams of protein, and to follow up with that, you're going to have some zinc, zinc copper, which is going to boost your immune system, um, and then more specifically, just your whole B vitamin complex, and you know, I spoke quite a bit about vitamin A there, and you're really only going to get that from the heads of things. So if you're boiling eyes, if you're making fish head soup or stock, um, so that's something you can really do if you get a whole fish or say you're trout fishing, uh, which I love to trout fish, instead of just tossing the heads out, save them, freeze them, which will reduce parasitic infection and just kind of kill parasites. Leave them in there for, for a little bit of time, let it freeze completely solid and then throw them in a stock and make some fish head stock and you can use that for whatever you want but that's going to have your preformed absorbable vitamin a retinol uh, as well as liver and i think just not knowing how to prepare them and just the unfamiliarity with with organ meats is the only reason they're really not consumed um, if you look at the nutrition facts to them you'll be blown away at how just nutrient dense they really are. And I, I just kind of conceptually think of them as a supplement more than I do, you know, I consuming them daily or all the time, maybe just once a week. Um, I try to consume liver, liver once a week, but you know, just familiar yourself, familiarize yourself a little bit more of how to cook and prepare them. I know Chris Kresser talks a little bit about, and I've, I've tried this as well as freezing some liver, uh, in little pill-sized form, if you don't enjoy consuming liver, you don't like the texture, is a little bit of a funky texture, uh, throw them into a pill-sized form, 
put them in the freezer and you can literally just eat them like pills and pretty much supplement them. Um, I know a good friend of mine takes the the liver, the whole liver and kind of shaves it and you could put it in beef. You know, you don't have to consume large amounts of this. I wouldn't recommend consuming large amounts of it. Uh, so just kind of integrating this into meatballs, you know, shaving it really thin, putting it in meatballs, ground beef, any way to kind of um, just supplement your beef beyond, you know, that that is lacking some micronutrients. You can just load it with micronutrients by integrating some of these organ meats. Um, so, you know, all in all, I think just finding what works for you is obviously the most important and being able to find these meats is is not the easiest thing to do so if you can harvest an animal and use the whole thing and try not to waste um, as much as possible I mean we kind of threw it out the side so I'm sure the coyotes are gonna somebody's gonna enjoy the rest of that deer somewhere um, all in all but I think it's kind of a, a more important topic as nutrition kind of advances because we see the micronutrient density and you know supplementation is becoming more and more popular and I just I don't feel that there's any way to ever replace these things um, especially vitamin A and I just don't I don't think I think we're getting more and more away from you know, where we came from by, by consuming a bunch of supplements in a bottle. It just doesn't feel right to me. Um, it just seems more correct to, to consume the whole animal and be more familiarized with, you know, how to cook it, how to prepare it and what, what fits your palate. Um, but ultimately I think it's more of a texture thing than anything else and just unfamiliarity and understanding kind of what to do. There are some great books out there and cookbooks on how to do these things. Um, but again, it's becoming more prominent, I think, which is a really good thing. And just understanding how to do it. And, you know, our grandparents probably consumed these things. I'm 29, so my grandparents are around 60, 70. And at that time, I know it was kind of a little bit more popular to do those things. And a lot of cultures still do and still are very prominent in ceremonial uh, meals or, you know, for Christmas or the holidays. And just exposing yourself to those things, um, I think you'll be really surprised at how much you enjoy them, especially anticuchos. If you can get to a Peruvian restaurant and give that a try, I think you'll be blown away at how tasty uh, that really is. So thanks for listening. It's a pleasure doing this. Um, something I'm super passionate about. You can find me at GoFish underscore Nutrition uh, as a Facebook group. Feel free to to add yourself in there. I just have to approve it. Um, I think the group's about 80 people right now, but I post quite a bit. I've spent a couple years just uploading tons and tons of info on there. It's kind of like an encyclopedia Facebook group where you're just going to the search bar and you can search for, you know, nose to tail organ meats. Um, I have a ton of recipes in there, articles, um, and feel free to to ask for information if you want more. I have a bunch of stuff kind of stored away in different books and stuff like that. So again, this was a pleasure doing this. Um, if you ever get a chance to get out in the woods, you don't even have to hunt. Just sit out there and enjoy nature and listen to nature kind of bring itself about is one of the most rewarding experiences you could ever have. And that's just kind of the, 
I understand why people now sit out and deer hunt for weeks at a time, um, not just for, you know, harvesting an animal, but to experience all that comes with it um, is super special. Just thank you so much. That's a wrap on today's episode. You can find more about the Human Advancement Podcast and Ruthless Performance on ruthlessperformance.com. I specifically recommend that you head to our online education tab where you can learn more about self-improvement, the physiology of performance, practices for enhanced wellness, and more. You can view all podcast episodes directly on our website at podcast.ruthlessperformance.com. I also recommend that you follow us on both Instagram and Twitter with the handle at ruthlessperform. If you have any questions for our monthly Q&A or wanted to learn more about training with Ruthless Performance, including information on our athlete development training, injury prevention and corrective exercise protocols, personal training, or for consults or assessments, you can get in touch with us online at ruthlessperformance.com contact or via email at info at ruthlessperformance.com. The human advancement theme was written by Bernie Wallace-Savage.